What's up, guys? Welcome back to Clear the Cash. I'm your host, Nate List. You can find me on Twitter at an outraged Jew. And of course, on the other side of the United States, recording with me is Jesse Bach. You can find him on Twitter at planet underscore fatness. Jesse, we took last week off. Once again, the schedules just were not meshing. I moved into a new place. So if everybody's hearing a boatload of echo behind me, I apologize. I plan to resolve that. Um, if you're watching the video at home, there's nothing on my walls. Jesse has more eye-popping visuals behind him, as you can see. So I, I hope to you know acquire some things myself so that Jesse and I are on even level. So we didn't record last week. There's been a lot that's taken place. We've got so much information. We actually have to push some into next week. Just the topics are, are weighing heavy. Jesse, let's just start right off at the top. We're not going to pull any punches today. We're going to we're going to get an episode in here. Um, there was a tweet from Nat Turner, and if you want to read it and kind of give it your spin, I would totally love that. Tell me, tell me what you inferred from this Nat Turner tweet. Sure. So Nat Turner, uh, of course, as we know, the um, basically the head of PSA right now, um, he tweeted on May twenty fourth uh, that. As of May 18th, 2021, PSA is completely caught up on order entry. In other words, all PSA submissions have been entered into the PSA system with the exception of a few problem orders. For example, no signature, incorrect card count, missing payment method, blah, blah, blah. So um, it's for my my take on this is it's very encouraging to hear the head of a major grading company give its consumers um, and its fans, collectors, whatever, an update on the grading situation uh, of what's going on now. So, I mean, order entry, that, that's, a, that's a really big deal. I'm sure they had multiples more people um, who were in charge of order entry than as opposed to even grading or slabbing the cards themselves. So I, I'm not exactly sure that the, the type of process that they've been, they've been going through, like if they just take every card or every submission individually, um, or if they just try to take all of their submissions, there are millions of cards, hundreds of thousands to millions to 10 to 10 million cards. If they just tried to, enter them into their system all together, pretty much like almost all at the same time, kind of in a stepwise function. Um, it's just, it, it's encouraging to hear that there's, there's actually something going on and that there's some level of transparency coming from that company. And especially from that head of the company with things actually moving along. Um, I know originally they said that they were going to shut their doors until uh, I think they said July 1st or at some point in July, I like guys order entry. That's so like no matter where, unless if you do like express or super express or walk through um, where you get it back in like just five to 10 business days or something like order entry is like step two of 10 or three of 10 or something like it, it's really it's really early on like going through like the whole PSA like submission process. And if you if you, if any of you guys have subbed to PSA before. 
um, you can actually look at the progress of your submission and just going through um, going through some of them like it, it it they'd have to deal with like assembly um, order entry actually grading the cards slabbing the cards quality assurance one quality assurance two like they have they just have so many steps so many more steps that they have to do um, again I, I I could be totally wrong and they're they're actually just you know going sub by sub and maybe like maybe he just meant that okay all of these cards are in you know whatever pro- whatever step in the process that they're in right now at PSA but every single one of them is at least through d- order entry um, again it's encouraging um, I think we might just have to sit tight for probably a couple more months I've had subs at PSA that that. Uh, my buddy and I, we sub- we submitted together back in September of 2020. So um, I've been waiting for a little bit as well. But um, it's it's encouraging just to hear, uh, you know, some transparency from from the head of the company and, and probably why PSA will will remain as the most successful grading company for a while, even with this holdup. I think that's the best point, too, um, is that you've got the company that's Number one, no doubt that they're the the biggest and the best and they're holding up the highest level of standards. And then on top of that, as you mentioned, they're showing you immense transparency and they're doing it from an ultra professional standpoint. I mean, when Nat Turner steps into this situation, you add a ton of credibility to the company, obviously. Now you're being ultra transparent and they're not being like SGC per se, where we kind of joked off air that, you know, the owner president of them is, is just dropping hammers publicly. Right. And it gives it a different level of perception. I mean, what kind of vibe do you get comparably when we think about what we're seeing with Nat Turner and sort of what's changing with PSA, knowing that they have an immense backlog originally, and they're managing all of that to what we're seeing with a company like SGC and a much more vocal, you know, level of ownership. Um, but how do you look at these two? With with PSA, Nat Turner is very strategic um, in what word he puts out, um, and just pretty much anything he he says about the company or says publicly on podcasts or YouTube channels or, or whatever about the company, and uh, like you know, if if any changes will take place in terms of grading or um, just a, any any step of the of the whole grading process, but. Um, I can't remember his name, Peter something, Peter, I can't remember the, the SGC president's name. I can't remember his name. He's, he's a pretty young guy. That dude, uh, I'll, I'll give it to him. Like he tells it, he tells it like it is from his perspective. So like he, he, uh, wears his heart on his sleeve. So like whatever, whatever he's thinking, like this guy doesn't have, I don't think he has too much of a filter. So when he sees the other like when he sees PSA and BGS are super backed up and people are waiting for like a year plus for their submissions, he's like, you know what? Don't grade with those like with those jabronis like just grade with us like we will tr- <laughs> we'll charge you 20 bucks a car. We'll have them back like we say 20 business days. We'll have them back in 20 business days. And then <laughs> over the next month after he says something like like that and goes goes out in public saying stuff like that that's when they're overwhelmed that's when that's when they get yep. backed up and they realize that 20 business days is probably going to be closer to a year than 20 business days 
and then he'll he and or somebody else within the company will will issue a statement uh, usually on SGC's um, social media that you know like where guys we're having with the with the intense amount of pent up demand we are probably gonna have to scale back um, in terms of our promise our guarantee of getting you your subs back on time um, and also we'll have to triple the price and then and then once they're once their backlog gets taken care of uh, their the president will come right back out again and say oh yeah you know what? there's our backlog is cleared PSA's backlog isn't cleared you gotta you gotta come grade with us like you gotta yeah, just trust us again just trust us I promise we'll have it we'll have your cards out in time we even dropped the price down to five dollars more than what it originally was but it's it's not triple what it was anymore um, so I gotta, I, I have to give SGC a little bit of credit just because, um, I mean, I, I think he kind of like their, their president talks up a big game, but he really does like, he, he is probably the most transparent, uh, of, of the grading heads. I think he probably even more than Nat Turner. Um, just because like, I, 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 I mean, obviously he genuinely wants to see his grading company succeed, but, um, I, I think he's being honest as soon as like as soon as their backlog is is cleared, they want to get as many cards as possible. Um, so, yeah, the, P- Peter's strategy is a little bit a little different than Nat's. Um, like I said, Nat's definitely more strategic. But uh, I mean, I, I got to respect SGC for at least, you know, putting putting themselves out there that way. Look, yeah, it's, it's Peter Steinberg Peter Stein. and some of his quotes do definitely come off a little like. Trump style like he's he's a little larger than life he's very polarizing I mean I just sent you something you've got you know they're doing these SGC ads that look like an adult (laughs) swim ad it says backlogs are stupid or like the header on their Twitter account says get the service you deserve no backlogs no bloated turnaround times no games right like they're not apparently they're not playing around but they're also leveraging the fact that yeah PSA is slammed BGS is slammed and Ultimately, that's because they're looked at as like the number one, number two companies. But here's a quote that he stated in an interview about a month ago. And this is a question I want to ask you because I think it pertains to PSA as well, right? You mentioned that SGC tripled their prices. We know that PSA recently raised their rates. But a quote from Peter Steinberg, this is an excerpt from it. He basically says, although I cannot pinpoint exactly when it will take place, SGC will be lowering our prices as soon as we feel we can effectively meet the demand. So with the the card industry, you know, still very much on fire, cards selling for a ton on eBay and golden auctions on PWCC. Do you truly believe that grading companies plan to reduce pricing if they still can't barely keep up with demand, even if they could keep up with demand and it's now palatable? If the money that's coming in is overwhelming and they don't really see anything falling off, why would they lower their prices? I mean, do you so do you believe a quote like this? I mean, and if you believe this quote, do you believe that PSA will ever reduce its prices? I was just about to say it depends on the company. So if I'm not mistaken, um, I think SGC reduced their prices back down to either thirty dollars a card or thirty five dollars a card. Um, already, or or they're if they haven't, they're they're planning on doing it very soon. Um, so I, I think with with maybe some of the like SGC is obviously like they're a very reputable grading company, but they're they're not quite at the level of PSA. So 
I think they can afford to do it. Um, PSA, I think P- like Nat Turner has come out over the last month, month and a half or so, saying, you know, even with us announcing the backlog and we're going to have to, you know, ba- temporarily shut off, you know, economy grading, pr- pretty much anything below like walkthrough or super express, um, that PSA will have like, they'll, they'll have some sort of an economy grading fee again. So they will have, they will have an economy, um, grading option. I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to be $25 a card anymore or $20 a card. Um, it'll probably be closer to 50, but honestly, I think as soon as PSA opens up their doors again, if, if they keep their, even for their economy grading option, if they keep that price less than a hundred dollars a card, I think they're going to get flooded again. So they were getting like, there's just, there's still, even though we might be entering the junk slab era, which we probably are entering the junk slab era, but there's still a very fervent appetite for grading. And I'm sure I am more than sure there is a lot of pent up demand just from people that are holding on to stuff, waiting for PSA to open their doors right back up and they don't want to grade their cards with anybody else. So, um, that time when, when PSA was either, was getting like half a million cards a week right before they shut down. Um, those days might, be coming back when they open their doors and if they if they reduce their their grading fees so um i think it's certainly possible but for the time that we're in right now um i i probably i don't if i mean if i was heading psa i i don't know if i would reduce the the grading fee below like a hundred dollars or at least like 75 bucks or something just to kind of meet your demand and you're still making like a buttload of money in the process and you're still going to be grading cards that are, you know, super relevant to, to grade and are going to work out in the long run. But, um, yeah, but yeah, it's certainly possible. I, I think, I think Nat Turner was telling the truth in terms of there will be an economy grading option again, and it it will be less than a hundred dollars. I just don't know how long it'll last for. It's interesting because even companies like HGA, who we've talked about on this show are ultra slammed, right? I mean, they're getting they're getting killed right now, and I think that they just changed their pricing as well. Um, do you remember what it cost to submit a card with HGA? Wasn't it ultra inexpensive? It was. I I haven't subbed to them either, but um, I it, it wasn't it wasn't very expensive. I I'd. If if I had a guess, I, I'd probably say it was in like the fifteen dollar range or something. It wasn't it wasn't too bad. Yeah. So they they just announced as of two days ago that they're raising their prices and that they are halting all two and ten day orders for the next few submissions so they can allow themselves to fully catch back up. So I mean, this is the whole industry. And to the point that you made earlier, PSA is is so high up at the top of this mountain. That most of us, like, you know, and and we talked off show, I have a lot of old cards that are really hot right now. And I would consider sending them to BGS, but really I would prefer to send them to PSA. And I think there's a lot of people in the same situation that are like, I don't know that I want to send these cards anywhere else. So they're going to wait 
And even if PSA retains its pricing, like I'm still going there because that PSA label is worth so much more than the next label. You know what I mean? Like, so there's just no, I'm going to hang around forever. I'll wait it out. I'll wait till, you know, their, their backlog clears or they take new submissions. And even if the price is what it is, it's not going to deter someone like me. But if you're somebody that's more price conscious, you're in a sticky situation because you don't really want to send it to HGA. You know, if you have a, an older, nice card, you don't really want to send it to HGA. But if you don't want to cough up the cost of sending it to PSA, I don't really know what you do. You know, you're kind of in a rock and a hard place right there. So I think it's pretty consistent across the landscape. But I like your points about Nat Turner being just you know very transparent, very sophisticated, very strategic and... It's pretty cool that PSA is already at the very top of that mountain. And then here we go. They're now outwardly, you know, the shining star amongst this group that's not, you know, that's not pulling any punches. Speaking of punches, Jesse, I'm getting trashed on Twitter. As you know, the NBA playoffs are in full swing right now, full swing. And I can't scroll my timeline without seeing somebody complaining that LeBron James is a flopper and even worse that his flopping is air quote hurting his legacy, Jesse. Do you agree with that statement? There's always going to be people out there saying that the flopping is going to hurt LeBron's legacy. They're going to say that LeBron being down on the ground for 30 seconds to a minute too long is going to hurt his legacy. Um, there's always going to be LeBron haters out there. And um, I don't like I just I don't I get it. Like I'm not I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm not a big fan of flopping either. But um, we really like as Americans, we really love to build up athletes, um, maybe some a lot of times higher than their true ceilings. Um, and then we like to tear them down. And I don't I, I think as a whole, a lot of us are very late in terms of a, like appreciating greatness. We don't like we kind of don't really appreciate what is on our TV screens until it's almost gone when, you know, whenever LeBron's career is over. So the flopping's one thing. Like I there's always gonna be there's always gonna be haters out there. There's gonna be um, you know, at MJ M like MJ is the GOAT people that are gonna be trashing LeBron all the time, no matter what he does. It, even if LeBron didn't flop, it, it just in terms of the number of rings that MJ has is more than enough for them. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't really, I don't really under fully understand the LeBron hate. Um, I mean, I'm a little biased cause I'm a LeBron collector myself, but, um, yeah, I mean, flopping or not, I think the hate would be there. Look, Jordan doesn't win these titles on a handful of these occasions without Dennis Rodman, tripping Carl Malone as they're running up the court. You know, Dennis Rodman uh, tugging on guys' shorts, fouling them hard in the key, like all these things. Jordan gets this crispy, clean legacy because he didn't have to do any of the dirty work, okay? it's a ch The game has changed. The era has changed. LeBron is getting away with this stuff. Also, LeBron is 36 years old. The fact that the man wants to throw himself to the floor at all surprises me. I hurt when I get out of bed. I'm not at any point in my life where I'm ready to just throw myself to the ground. And admittedly, some of this does look like flopping. And I think even LeBron probably hates it. But in the moment, it's all he's thinking about is winning. Whatever it takes. Okay. 
Tour de France. We can go and talk about a multitude of people, cyclists. I think that they tested, they went back and tested like all the blood samples of all the guys from Lance Armstrong's, you know, years of winning. And like 97% of the guys were doping. Okay. Nobody cares. Nobody gives Lance Armstrong any shit that he was doping and he lost all of his titles, but he was certainly trying to find an edge. What LeBron's doing in this you know, a handful of cases is completely legal. The referees are the ones blowing the whistles and we've seen ticky tack shit forever. So does it hurt his legacy? No, not really. I, I, it doesn't bother me. I just think it's another tactic to the game. Again, go back to Dennis Rodman. Everybody thought it was so cute. Everybody thought that Rodman, his antics, because they were very obvious, right? Kobe had some dirty plays in his career as well. So I, I think that the, I think that the, the, the smear that, LeBron takes is heavy because right now he's the greatest player in the league and over the last 15 years potentially the greatest player that we've seen and the Jordan era is over and now it's the LeBron era and soon it's going to be the Luka era right and people are also going to probably hate on Luka as you mentioned I mean you already read tweets Luka's such a sweetheart why do people hate Luka um people say he has a punchable face and I'm not really sure why <laughs> I'm honest to God. I'm not really sure why. Like, I think he's like, he's so damn lovable, like as just like a sports fan. Like, I don't, I don't really get it. Like I've seen, I've seen people come out on Twitter and say like, yeah, I I can't blame the Clippers for wanting to constantly punch Luca in the face. Like, I don't, I don't really understand it. Um, I, I mean, in terms of the next the next era or the next eras that will come like moving forward, I can't really put Giannis past that either. Giannis has Giannis has a ton of haters right now, um, in terms of you know because he hasn't made a finals and whatever and and his antics. But I, it's it's going to be interesting once LeBron retires. It's going to be re- really interesting to see who's gonna who's gonna take that next step and and who's going to cement their legacy into the league. I, it very well could be Giannis and Luca for 10 plus years. Um, just, just going back and forth. So, um, they're, they're probably honestly both guys that, that I would want to collect. It's probably not even a bad idea to start collecting them now, just because their prices have dipped so much. Um, just because the demand in basketball is, I, I think people are just tired of basketball. Like basketball prices are just going down like crazy. So, um, just because we've had basically nonstop basketball for almost a year, like almost a year straight of basketball. Um, so their, their prices have, have definitely fallen, but, uh, the, the hate behind those athletes, I, I don't really get it. I much more understand the hate of Trey young. I like, I don't know something about Trey young to me. Like it's, it's not, it, it's not like whatever like appearances it, it it's it's not really that for me like i understand athletes athletes can be super pa- like passionate and in the moment whatever like they're just very intense that like it's almost like they just they black out when they're on the court like that's how just in the zone that they are but something about trey just kind of it just i don't really vibe with it i don't know like i i don't care about shushing the new york the New York crowd. I'm a Sixers fan. I don't give a shit about MSG. Um, but 
I don't know. He's like, he's just, he's a little like a guy like Trey is like a little bit too much for me. I can understand Trey hate. I can't really understand Luca Ariana's hate, but that's just me. Listen, Jesse, it's that youthful exuberance that he's showing. But look, look, <laughs> whether you hate LeBron, you hate Trey, you hate Luca, Underdog has the solution for you because right now, They've got multi or single game slates throughout the playoffs that you guys can join drafts in right now. You hate LeBron, you don't have to draft him. You hate Luka, don't draft him, but I'm pretty sure you're going to draft him if you want to win money. (laughs) These are not best ball drafts. You do need to set your lineup. It's just like DFS, but you get your chance to draft your own team. $25 in bonus cash for new players who deposit using the code UNDERWORLD. New players who sign up and make their first deposit receive $25 in bonus cash to play on the app. Go download the Underdog app right now and go you know, avoid LeBron James and, and Luka and see how much money you win. Jesse, let's talk about these uh, regional card shows because I know this is something that you had wanted to talk about. And you had wanted to talk about this Dallas card show for a while. And even before that, we had no idea what might take place in the future. And then something went down at this card show, right? That, that kind of opened everyone's eyes to where we are in the market today. Talk to me about the card show. So part of, part of the reason why I wanted to, to mention um, card shows in general is because I mean, we might be a little bit late on on the May shows. Obviously, this is late May, and by the time this episode comes out, it'll be early June. But um, there were there were quite a bit of uh, very large regional shows this month. We had um, the Miami Courtside Show that, a week or a week week and a half after I was in South Florida, um, and that was going on on May first, May second. We had the Wisconsin Dells Card Show. Um, up in Wisconsin on uh, May 14th to the 16th, and then obviously the mini basic. It's basically the mini national at this point, um, the mini national card show in Dallas um, that took place on May 20th to May 23rd. And you know, I just wanted to kind of give like a little PSA to to any of our uh, any of our listeners. By the way, shout out to the listeners. I I firsthand know plenty of listeners that at least went to the Dallas card show or one of the, one of those three card shows in, in addition to other regional shows. Um, but just wanted to give a PSA that if all of a sudden, if you're hearing, you know, a, a, a name of a player or a set or something that everybody's looking for at that show, it's probably a better idea to not look at that player or at that set just because the demand like there is going to be a mini market at the show for that player so that player that player's prices prices can um jump up exorbitantly when you're at the show just between these dealers if they have rare pieces of of the player so for the previous shows um, that I was that I was uh, referencing, all all of them were actually uh, uh, da- previous Dallas shows. Um, at the last Dallas show before the May show, KD was the hot name, so his prices were going up like crazy on at the show on eBay on my slabs any any platform you could think of. His prices were going insane, and he's dipped like crazy ever since. Um, there was a, another show in, in Dallas before that at the winter show, um, goats were the topic of conversation. Then we saw the goat run up in February. 
um, through March or early April. Um, probably, I, I know if, if a goat 10Xs, it's in this, in a span of a couple weeks, it's probably a better idea to at least be patient and not look at that goat at that time. And in the Dallas show before that was in fall of 2020. It was all Luca and Trey. Everybody was looking at Luca and Trey, barely anything else besides goats. Um, and Luca and Trey, both of their prices have came crashing back down to earth ever since. Um, so just be, just be cognizant of what, of what other people are looking at at card shows. Like even just, if you see like a big crowd at a table, it's not a bad, even, even if you have no intentions of buying anything from that table, just, you know, stand around there for a couple minutes just to, just to hear what people are asking for, what they're negotiating for. Um, but there was some, there was some big, no, big news about this past, uh, Dallas card show. There was a pretty large, uh, transaction a, a, a cash trade deal um between mc sports cards who is a very very reputable high-end dealer um and there were uh, I, I can't remember the name of of the other uh, individuals in the deal but um mc sports cards traded away a 2011 tops update Diamond Anniversary, Mike Trout, BGS 9.5, which last sold on May 23rd for $8,000. And Mike Trout's 2009 Bowman Chrome draft picks and prospects refractor auto at a 500, BGS 9, 10 auto, last sale. This card doesn't come up very often at all. And it's probably appreciated ever since it, it was last sold on eBay. It last sold on eBay for December on December 15, 2020 for almost $18,000. So we're talking at least a $26,000 value at the very least, plus cash. I have no idea how much cash was involved in this deal. I Did you see the, have you seen the clip of this? I have. So, yeah, and I couldn't remember. I think they said, did they actually specify how much cash or do you not remember? Because I... Not, not that I saw. I, I, I don't, I don't think I saw anybody, anybody caption it. M MC Sports Cards. He's, he, if, if any, if any money is involved, he, I, he won't divulge it um, on Instagram. I, I've, I've followed him for a while. I've been in contact with him. I bought from him before, um, but I, I, not that I saw. But I know there was, there was quite a bit of cash. But with the cards themselves, we're talking about realistically like it's at least $26,000 but we're probably talking closer to like 40k in in card value for for Mike Trout who's probably you know prob probably the LeBron James or Michael Jordan of baseball and um that it, it's it's going to be a very good idea if you have any of his cards just to hold on to them especially rookie cards and the the other the other uh members of the trade they trade so MC Sports Cards traded those trouts for uh, Justin Herbert contenders championship ticket auto one of one. I believe it was a BGS nine. Um, basically for that card, I I don't even know where like which side of the deal had the cash. Like which side of the deal? I, I'm sorry, which side of the deal got the cash? Like I I honestly I. I have no idea what the true evaluation, what the true valuation was of that Herbert, but um, so MC Sports Cards ended up getting the Herbert, and people were trashing that trade for a while. I even went on Twitter and I, I, I didn't directly trash the trade, but I basically said like, if if 
if now is not the time to sell Herbert, when is? Because I honestly don't know. Like just just because of how exorbitant his prices are. Um, it was uh, that that was uh, probably a bold decision that I wouldn't have made if I was him, um, if I were him. But um, I I mean I, I've heard plenty of rumors. Not not sure how true they are, but knowing him, like MC Sports Cards, he's he's a very smart dealer. He he. He's very calculated in in his in his transactions and what he chooses to buy and sell. Um, he has plenty of trouts. I'm pretty sure he's even a trout collector himself. So, if anything, those cards were probably low grades for him that he just wanted to part with. And I've heard from people that he already had a sell a, a buyer in mind for that Herbert championship ticket. That he, that this he knew he knew this person was willing to do whatever possible to get this card. So maybe he had an idea that he was getting it at a pretty good value um, and not giving up too, too much cash for it if he was giving up cash at all. Um, but it, it was a, it, it was probably the transaction of the um, of this last Dallas show that basically got the card world's eyes, eyes and ears too, um, and on social media as well. We get questions all the time from people that want to invest a, a large sum of money whether it's into you know newer players older players you know they say hey what do you guys think I should do with this money and Justin Herbert's name routinely comes up and we've talked about it I don't know if we've talked about it quite as heavily on this show but his value right now is at is at a peak and we don't know what Justin Herbert is long term. Nobody knows at all. And in this case, if the plan if the plan was to purchase the card to flip it, that makes more sense because all the risk is on is on the Herbert cards, not Trout. We know what Trout is. Trout is a locked in Hall of Famer. I mean, there's no doubt. Herbert could fall off the map. I mean, it's entirely possible that we see you know a complete flip of quarterback play entering 2021. There's no guarantees. So it it is. It is concerning if you're somebody that's heavily invested into these Herbert cards. I mean, obviously, if Herbert goes on to be one of the greatest quarterbacks or his career as we saw it last year persists, and this is the player we see year over year, then that card that he just received is going to go up significantly in value over time, especially if he competes in a Super Bowl or wins one. Then in the future, it looks like a great deal. But the reality of the situation is we get a lot of people that ask about Herbert and I wonder if some sort of cliff isn't coming, right? Because if we're at the very top, it has to come down because a price increase at this point for Herbert won't go up unless maybe next year he's in the MVP conversation, right? Or he's in the, he goes and plays in a Super Bowl or he breaks some sort of statistical record and throws 56 touchdowns. Like it's going to take some sort of landmark monumental next step for him to go higher than he is now. So it makes you wonder if you're holding Herbert or thinking about buying Herbert, what should you actually be doing? Um, in order, uh, you can, I mean, there, you can probably get, you know, prism base or silver stuff at like a, a reasonable deal right now. I would not, I would not go out and look for a contender's crack dice auto because those cards are just going to go for stupid money. Um, his prism silver stuff and like select silver or select a uh, field silver, whatever, um, any, any level of select silver, 
those prices have actually dipped recently. So it might not be the worst idea to look at those if you're just looking to hold them for a couple of months and then sell around the time that the season starts. Um, but I mean, we're seeing we're seeing his like, you know, his his rare cards, his like rare contenders autos or, you know, other rare gold cards. They're they're surpassing Aaron Rodgers same level of card prices in order for Justin Herbert to sustain this this price and and hope that it actually appreciates in the short to intermediate term he's got to win MVP this year like the, he has to he has to beat out Mahomes he has to beat out Kyler he has to beat out any any other any other quarterback who has a good to very good shot of winning MVP he has to beat all of them out in order to sustain these prices so I think buying any mid to high end Justin Herbert card right now is you're 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 taking you're taking a a pretty big risk if I I can't even put a number on it but if if you're spending more than I don't like maybe more than just a couple thousand dollars it's pro, it's I I think it's a pretty big risk just because his price is already surpassing Aaron Rodgers prices if if Justin Herbert has the career that Aaron Rodgers has, okay, then then it might be justified. But let's give him like just give him like two years, three years. Just let's just I'm with Herbert. I'm in more of a wait and see mode before I decide to buy something high end of his. This is the concern, though. It's like Dynasty, right? You go. I don't want to buy Brian Edwards just yet. I want to find out if he's good. And then we find out this year that he has 140 targets and 90 catches and he looks like the next Julio Jones. And suddenly you're paying youthful Julio Jones prices for him. I guess that's the risk. And obviously you know this better than anybody with the Herbert thing. It's like if you're one of these people that truly believes in Justin Herbert, again, you know, 66% completion percentage, 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions from a rookie, he was impressive and San Diego's done a lot to, or LA has done a lot to build around him. And you feel like he's going to progress positively. It feels that way. And I think people believe it, but to your point, you brought up that he's neck and neck with Aaron Rodgers, Who's got a super bowl, whose career has been proven, whose year last year was way better than Herbert's. I mean, nobody's even talking about how good Aaron Rodgers was because He's so good that similarly to LeBron, we're just like, yeah, 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 yeah. I like the new rookie. I haven't seen him before. This is crazy. Look what he's doing. And for the fantasy community that we're speaking directly to, they look at it the same way. They're devaluing Aaron Rodgers because he's older, because his career is coming to an end. But interestingly enough, he just had one of the better quarterback seasons that we've seen in the last 10 years. Nobody's talking about that because there's the shiny new toy in Justin Herbert. So to your point, I think that there's probably like a financial cutoff where it's like, hey, this is the most that you should be spending on a Herbert right now or position yourself on some of these lesser cards because we know that when the floor on the big cards go up, so does the floor on the littler cards and we can get our hands on some of these commodities a little easier, maybe cards with higher pop counts you know, or lesser than these gold cards that are selling. But Justin Herbert's the hot name right now. I mean, I, you know, I don't know... I don't know how you've avoided it. He's a hot name in Dynasty. I remember getting him in Dynasty startups last year. I was literally punting quarterback in almost every startup. And at the turn in like Superflex tight end premium round three, 16 team leagues, 
I was getting Justin Herbert in the third round. Jesus. Nobody wanted him. And look where Herbert's going now, right? We go to a startup today and it's, it's completely different than that because Justin Herbert, not just from a hype standpoint, but from a, a reflection on the production, it's not just that there's this positive hype of him going into 2021. It's like, Hey, look what he did in 2020. And we're seeing that carry over to cards. But the problem is it's, not really putting your money where your mouth is when you're in a $50 dynasty fantasy football league drafting Herbert. It's definitely putting money where your mouth is when you're going out and buying a $17,000 Justin Herbert card that's at absolute peak right now. I totally agree. I mean, like, honestly, we could probably t- generalize this to, to prospects as well, or like to, to, pro- to prospects as a whole, I mean. Um, Let's just let's just, you know, let's kind of calm down before we we put like a five we we put down like five figures on their rookie card, or j- even like a rare card of theirs just to just like, you know, I mean, whatever, whatever, if you want to collect and you have pretty deep pockets, go for it, whatever. But um, I mean, if you're looking to to keep yourself in this hobby and, you know, level up and hopefully buy things that you want to collect in the long term and maybe make a profit here as well. Like let's, let's just kind of, let's just kind of think here before we, we go about spending tens of thousands of dollars on, on somebody who's relatively unproven. Like he could be really good. I'm not saying he's going to suck. He could be really good, but let's just, let's just like be a little bit more patient and wait and see. Russell Wilson's 32 years old, absolutely proven stud at the NFL level. And if I go to playerprofiler.com and use the ADP tracker, Justin Herbert is the 107 in Superflex Dynasty startups. The 107. He's going before Burrow right now. He's going before Russell Wilson. Uh, he's going before a ton of guys. Wow. So he is he is the 107. So it makes sense why we're seeing people clamoring for these card purchases. People are literally... Not literally. People are dying for Justin Herbert. I don't think anybody died for Justin Herbert, did they? <laughs> email the show at... You don't have a show email. So people are dying to get their hands on Justin Herbert. Nobody's dying to get their hands on Julio Jones, Jesse. And I, I talked about this on the Sonic Truth with Matt Kelly, but I want to talk to you about it because, again, putting your money where your mouth is, to me, in Dynasty doesn't really exist short of playing in these higher risk, big money leagues, putting your money where your mouth is to me in the card world is much more real. And you PC Julio Jones and you have quite a collection of Julio being built, very nice cards. And then the rumors of the trade potential, which seem more likely, but who knows? I mean, there's a possibility he sticks around in Atlanta. The rumors have begun is there any location for Julio Jones that wouldn't nuclear bomb or at least disrupt his value in the short term outside of Atlanta? So with Julio, because his name is going to be in the news and in in, in um, not just trade rumors, but when the trade is actually announced, people are there are people who haven't thought about Julio at all up until these rumors. Um, so it almost it almost doesn't even matter to where Julio gets traded unless if it's a, a real dumpster fire of an offense. But I think no matter where he goes in 
in the very, very short term, like I'm talking days within the announcement of him being traded or days after the announcement of him being traded, his prices will spike on his more commoditized cards. So I'm, I'm talking like his 2011 tops base, whatever grade PSA nine, PSA 10, his tops Chrome base, PSA nine, 10, um, his, even his tops Chrome refractor, that's still like, it's a lower pop card. I think the pop on that for the PSA 10 is like 82 or something. It's, it's really low. Um, but it's still kind of, it's, it's more or less, it can be seen as like a, like a commodity card, like, like a card that will be transaction transacted over and over. So, um, in the short term, we will see spikes, um, and then it'll probably dip and it'll continue dipping maybe even below what it is right now before he's even traded, um, with, with Julio, the, the, basically the best scenario for Julio in terms of his card price is staying consistent over time and just doing almost nothing but going up steadily. Um, the best, the best case scenario for that is just him staying in Atlanta. So, um, in terms of his more rare stuff, I, Julio is super collectible. I. I don't think it's a hot take at all to say that he's when all is said and done, he's going to be the number three greatest wide receiver of all time behind rice and Moss. Um, I don't think that's a hot take at all. And um, I, I think he's, he will be very collectible in, in the long run. If you're looking to profit in, in the short term right now might not even be that bad of an idea to buy some of those cards that I just mentioned um, just for the spike that'll, that'll happen. But you got you got to get them in your hands like immediately because you if if you're looking to to flip them you gotta you gotta have them ready to go list them on eBay immediately do whatever you have to do um so we're probably in a, a very mini uh Julio Jones buying period now just because I've been tracking I've I've been I've been watching a couple of his Topps Chrome base and Topps Chrome refractors being sold on eBay. And their prices aren't really skyrocketing. They're even with the rumors. They're kind of staying around the range that they've been staying at for the last two or three months. Um, but I, I, I think they will go up. I'm not. I'm not saying they'll two x, but there's probably money to be made there um, as soon as he's traded. But um, yeah, I mean, in in terms of his prospects long term he he'll he'll be great no matter what he's he i think he's an, an incredible investment long term but even for his like you know short to intermediate term his in terms of how his prices are going to look at going into the season the best thing for him to do is just stay in atlanta if atlanta can somehow afford him julio please i beg please. you as a fan of your entire career just Finish it out in Atlanta. Just just wrap it up in Atlanta. Do what Larry Fitzgerald did. Just just go the whole way. Plates here 37. You know, just just bleed it out. We, Jesse needs you to limp it out. I need you to limp it out. Atlanta is the best place for you to stay. So buy Julio Jones cards if you can get your hands on them or wait till he's traded if he is. And you're going to find potentially some lesser prices on some of the cards. Very true. As well as a spike on some others. Avoid Justin Herbert if they're too expensive. We're not saying we don't like Herbert. I don't want to get a single... Don't tweet me if you think that we don't like Justin Herbert because that's not what we're saying. We're trying to help you keep more money in your pocket. We're trying to help you clear the cash, okay? 
We don't want you to burn the cash. We don't want you to not have cash. We want you to have more cash. That's the, we want you to clear it. Does that make sense? We want you to not just <laughs> clear the cash on your computer, but also clear more cash, make more money. So if you're overspending on cards that are an absolute fucking cliff, you run the risk of not clearing the cash, which is the title of the show. It's the show title. That's why we called it Clear the Cash. Couldn't have said it better myself. We'll be back next week. Right.